Welcome to Changing Light Bulbs, the podcast that's dedicated to innovation and transformation in all of their forms. I am your host, Greg R. McGovern. And today's episode is titled Alcohol, It Doesn't Love You. And the reason I did that was because of a story that Lois, our guest, will tell later in the episode. But deeper in that story is this concept of the change catalyst. The change catalyst is simply the element which launches you toward a change. Every one of these guests was faced with a challenge at some point in time. Sometimes it's thrust upon them, but other times they decide to make the change themselves. And that's what Lois did. And that's why I think this episode is so powerful. As an aside, if you happen to be dealing with addiction, please take this opportunity to listen to this episode. Hopefully it too can be your catalyst for change toward a better life. Thanks very much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Lois, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. Tell me about maybe a piece of art or something, you know, from drama or something like that that was creative that really had an impact or change on your life. I guess since we're talking about my journey with addiction, um, I do think about, I often go back and, and think about this movie that I saw, which I don't remember the name of it, but it was, it had Meg Ryan in it. And it was this movie where she was a married woman and an alcoholic. And I just resonated so much with her character throughout the whole film. And I, and I always remember how at the end, she, the movie flashed forward and she now had a year of sobriety. And uh, she was talking about it. And it just was so impactful to me because it was, it was more than I dared to ever hope for for myself a year of sobriety and yet it did somehow give me just that glimmer of hope that maybe that could happen that that could happen for me and so her story that the story of that character the story told in that movie you know I just had, had was helpful to me you think it's some little movie some little thing that didn't maybe do well at box office or you know wasn't that well acted or whatever but yet it literally had an impact on turning my life around that's amazing and, and i think that's why i asked the question with most of the folks is that i'm always amazed that certain pieces of art just have a massive impact on somebody's life it's story yeah it is true it's yeah. interesting so i've known you for a long time but the audience hasn't so so maybe tell me a little bit about what you did professionally Professionally, uh, I, I started my career in the food industry, in, in marketing, and then uh, when I had kids, uh, it was a little bit before the home office right. thing happened. It yeah. was a little before the internet. <laughs> it was a little before email and, and all of that stuff, but I wanted to work from home, so I, I created my own business. Of uh, just basically working from home, I got myself a PC, a fax machine, and a and a laser printer, and that was uh, how I did business with clients. Turned out that I hooked up with a client that was in California, and I am in Toronto, Canada. Um, so I hooked up with this client in California, and I ended up working with them for 24 years, doing management consulting nice. with clients uh, sort of all over the world. And so that was a great adventure. That's great. Uh, so I, I, I worked there, I think, 24 years and retired from that job a couple of years ago. That's fantastic. You enjoying retirement? Yeah, I'm enjoying the... I am. I'm enjoying the flexibility and... Uh, 
the things that life has presented me to, to you know, to take the place of my work from before. That's very cool. We probably could do another whole episode on that, but we're here to yeah. talk about okay. your other journey, okay. your, your, your journey around recovery. And okay. so why don't you tell the audience a little bit about kind of that journey for you? Okay, so um, the journey is around addiction, or in my case, specifically alcoholism and and recovery. Um, It is a journey that I never expected to find myself taking. Um, You know, I I grew up in a very sort of religiously conservative environment, and... uh, uh, as, as a child, as an adolescent, as a young adult, uh, and as a middle-aged adult, I was a very, you know, religiously conservative person, um, and that really included not drinking. Um, that was sort of almost, you know, one of the practices of, of the religious group that I belonged to was not to drink, but somehow in my mid-30s, I got the idea that, you know, maybe I should drink every day. Maybe this would, you know, it seemed like... Um, you know, I think that I had a nice life, a privileged life, uh, a, 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 a nice marriage, a nice home, good job, uh, beautiful little children, and yet somehow life seemed a little dull or a little yeah. disappointing in some kind of way. Um, and, uh, you know, something in me something in me just led me to try to um, put a spark into my life by using alcohol and uh, so I, 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 I began to drink daily by myself always my husband would be out doing different things with our church or you know um, with his work and so on I began to drink daily uh, when I was in my early 30s my children were small I was sort of a stay-at-home mom with this, with this uh, uh, career, you know, emerging career on the side that I did at home, um, and I just began to drink by myself, and I soon began to realize that it was, it was no longer my choice. It was what I had to do every single day, and so I, I, I drank more and more and more uh, for a number of years every day, and. Uh, you know, until I was got, got sober when I was 50 years old, so wow. the better part of 20 years, um, and you know, so yeah. so that's about it. I mean, I've been on a recovery journey since then. So now, what was it that made that spark? You talked about the movie at the beginning, and now you've just talked about kind of. You know, drinking every day was there? Was there at some point something that kind of said, "Wait a minute, I got to change"? There were a number of things. Um, I I I observed in myself that this was not normal. That my feelings and my thoughts around alcohol were like obsessive. I, I observed that in myself, and I recognized myself to be an alcoholic, but I I didn't change. But one of the things that was a big uh, spark was the fact that my children were becoming adolescents. My children were experimenting with alcohol, and I knew that I I was a terrible example right. to them. But the thing that most sparked me, and most was the the worst 
part of being in the grips of this disease was that every morning I would get up, I, I would look in the mirror at myself like I guess we all do. Yeah. And I just had this sense that I wasn't there. Oh, that I yeah. was that I was looking at this person. I was looking into the eyes of this person, but they weren't looking back. And I would say to my reflection, like literally I would say to my reflection, where have you gone? Where have you gone? Yeah. I, I just it was like instead of my my own self, my own soul, whatever, looking back at me, it was like deadness. And um, so that loss of myself to myself was the biggest thing that I just, I felt like I was like the walking dead or the walking empty. Um, and I just, I couldn't stand, I couldn't stand it anymore. So, you know, kind of a perfect storm of, of, of things happened that you know, brought me to a point where I was able to say that I wasn't going to drink on that day, right. on that one day. And, you know, um, and then, it, and then it starts the process. It started the process. Now, was it, was it that easy for you? Was it, was it, I just had to make the decision or was it? <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't that easy. I mean, I made the decision every single day when I would wake up in the morning and I would realize that I had passed out the night before, right. that I had gotten drunk the night before, that I had spent the whole evening drinking, that I couldn't remember what I did, who I phoned, who I texted. Uh, I, that I couldn't remember the night before, where I had gone in my car, uh, who I had driven. Uh, I, I would wake up every morning f and just sort of, you know, r realize, oh, oh yeah, you did it again. And just feel this rock in my gut of shame and remorse and just awfulness and I would say I'm not going to do that today I'm not going to do that again I'm not going to do it that went on for years that daily routine went on for years but somehow somehow there was a moment where I disrupted my habit and I think that for me I, I, I think that I conceptualize it like within me there is a struggle going on and I think within all human beings there is a struggle going on between on the one hand love and goodness and then on the other hand I think it's fear and selfishness and I in my alcoholism fear and selfishness was what was running the show my own fear was what had started me drinking. My fear of being, of 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 being bored. My fear, my fear of, of, um, you know, my, my fear of what people thought of me. My fear of making a mistake. My fear of not being enough. My fear of being a bad parent. All my fears seemed like they could be sort of um, put put at bay if I would just go away through alcohol right. for a few hours. Um, at, but really, that that fear just began to grow in me and I became afraid of the discomfort that would happen if I wasn't drinking. So fear just was running the show and selfishness and somehow there came a moment and I think we get these moments 
all the time in in you know in our lives a moment of hope a moment of clarity a moment of of goodness a moment of power and in that moment i made a choice not to drink and then i just tried to keep extending the moment you know and it was hard but 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 you have to seize that moment of goodness. It's like you switch gears. You're, you're going in reverse and you switch gears and now you're going forward. You just have to stay in the forward gear. You just have to keep going. And it is, it was a negative, horrible, dissatisfying pattern, but it, it had such a grip on me. It was so hard to disrupt it. Even though, you know, my life was like in the, in the, I was in this rut that was just going down, 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 right. down. It was still easier than making a change. You know, so I'm in this rut. Somehow I yank the wheel and get up <laughs> off, out of the rut and onto other ground. And it's hard. It's really hard in the beginning. It's really hard in the beginning. And it can be hard, f you know. It was hard for me for, for weeks, maybe months. So let's go Not to, forever. Yeah, let's go to those weeks and months. Now, were you on the own? Did you have support? You know, tell me a little bit about that. I did. I did. I did seek out support. Um, I, I. The day that I got sober, I happened to be in California on a long-term trip. I was. I was working there for three to four months, so I was basically living in California. Uh, and I had, you know, I had come into my hotel after working that day, got out my bottle of wine, poured myself a glass, and had that, had just had that moment where I, where I thought, I think I can not do this today. Right, yeah. And I set the bottle back down, I poured the glass uh, of wine down the sink, and I, 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 I just didn't do it that one time. I went to my computer, I looked up the 12-step uh, recovery program, and there was a meeting down the street in like half an hour. So I got in my little rental car and I drove to that meeting and I walked in and um, I looked around <laughs> and I just thought, get me out of here. These are not my people. Um, but a series of events transpired when I realized, oh wait. These are my people. Their journey is a lot like mine. Their circumstances may be different than mine, but on the inside, they understand how I feel. And they understand what it's like to think, I, I don't know how to stop this behavior. And yet they have stopped. And oh, by the way, they're happy. So it was very attractive to me. So, so I, I, I listened to what those people told me to do. Uh, I did what they told me to do. Um, I, I I made friends with them. I hung out with them. Uh, you know, I got connected with a with with a group of people who had had done this, and I took their advice. Interesting. So, you know, you had the support of these other folks and their advice and their experiences and and their learning process. Was was that the key element that allowed you to stick with it? Was it, or was there other elements? around you or other things that you did that really helped that journey to make sure it stuck? You know, like I say, it was that shifting of gears 
and from from being driven and fueled by fear and selfishness and shifting gears and being fueled by love, goodness, hope, possibility, power. So I just have tried to stay in that gear. It doesn't mean that I don't still have fears and that, that they crop up, but I try to stay in the mode of hope and possibility and power rather than being, you know, um, you know, just run by my fears. And then I was, I was reinforced in that by these people. Um, I was reinforced in the possibility of success by, by, by these people. And I just, I began to do the simple things that, um, that really the recovery, the 12 step recovery movement teaches people to do, which are, you know, like, apologize when you do something wrong clean up your own mess you know and and so I focused on this process of recovery I focused on the 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 little steps I had to take the little actions I had to do each day I focused on that and I think that focusing on that process in some way distracted me from um, from alcohol it gave me a different focus it gave it gave me a positive focus yeah, I think you, you touched on a couple big things that we're seeing in a lot of the the people that we're talking to through this podcast, and, and you know, this concept of hope and hope for a better future, um, regardless of circumstances, is absolutely critical. And then having something to support you through that 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 focus and maintaining that focus and, and knowing where you're going is, is is huge. So tell me a little bit about your family going through this process you know what was it what was it like for them where you know what were they able to help not help that kind of thing (laughs) while i was while i was uh drinking my daughter was the most aware and vocal about her dissatisfaction with how i was behaving, what I was becoming, what I was doing. There was one day when I went to where I kept my secret stash of of bottles and all of them had been emptied and all of them had a little note rolled up and stuck into the neck of the bottle, uh, just encouraging me, pleading with me um, to, to change this behavior. Um, you know, I, wa- I remember one note my daughter had written and, and rolled up on, on a note just said, you know, your family loves you. Alcohol does not love you. It's here to destroy you. Um, and, you know, notes like this. So I, I kept those notes. I'm not much of a pack rat, but I kept those <laughs> notes. Um, but, you know, I also, I also was angry at her for pouring my alcohol down the drain, and, and I told her. So, my, so um, my, my husband became very dissatisfied and, and um, uh, at a certain point said to me, I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, and, my, uh, you know, my son was younger and not really aware. I worked really hard to try to hide this from people, but, and, uh, you know, to some degree I was able to hide it from my son. But um, my daughter and my husband were very dissatisfied. Friends and family really didn't know. Um, I, 
extended family. They really didn't know. I was a, I, w- I did this on my own. And so in my recovery, my family were very supportive, very happy. Um, and I, and just, you know, they were thrilled to have me back. And, but I did, I had to do the work. Um, I had to go through the process. You know, I had to make amends to each of them, and I still do. Uh, but, but, you know, they they threatened me, if you will. I, I was threatened with losing a lot towards the end of my drinking. I thought that my marriage may, I may lose my marriage. Uh, I may lose my relationship with my daughter. Um, and so, you know, that, that was part of my decision to, to, to get sober. And they have been you know, proud of me, supportive of me, and, um, you know, done done whatever they can do to, to help. That's fantastic. Mm. Do you think you're through the battle? Is there a point when you know you're through the big battle? Yeah, like alcohol, alcohol, I have chosen to believe that I have a physical allergy to alcohol that I can say no to alcohol as long as I don't take that first sip. I have chosen to believe that. I, I have experienced that, where I would have short periods of sobriety and then I would drink again. I would be out of control again. Uh, and so I have chosen to believe that I have a chronic, progressive, and deadly allergy to alcohol. And that if I ever drink again, I will die. Um, and so I have learned in, in, you know, there's a lot of simple techniques they teach you in, in um, the recovery community, like, you know, um, remember when is one. So if I open the fridge and I see my husband's or my son's beer are in there and I feel like having one, I say to myself, remember when you right. would have one beer and that was like nowhere near the beginning of enough. Um, and then I close the fridge and I walk away. So I do feel like, in a way, it is not the same kind of, of issue that it was. I also believe that I must not engage with it um, because of my, you know, of my physical allergy. I must never engage with it again. I must not drink it again. And it's interesting. You just kind of change the mindset, you know, from from one of this is what I got to do to this is actually going to hurt me and, 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 and go mm-hmm. in a different direction. I think mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, now, what other lessons may, may have you learned along the way like that you, you, you can impart upon our audience? You know, that we can do anything, no matter what habit has us in its grip, uh, whether it is some kind of substance abuse or a different kind of behavioral addiction or whether it's, you know, an, a just, you know, uh, uh, a habit of people pleasing or conflict avoidance or any, any kind of interpersonal issues that we all face, um, we, can, we can change it. And that disrupting your habit, recognizing it and disrupting it is the first, is the first step. It's the hardest step. Just do it. And then just grow that, just grow that new habit. Just start with one minute of not doing whatever it is. Just start with one minute and grow it to an hour. Grow it to a day. Grow it to a week. You can do it. Whatever it is. 
It's very inspirational. So now thinking back along your entire journey, what does transformation mean to you now? Oh my gosh. It means looking into the mirror in the morning yeah. and looking and, and seeing myself and myself looking back at me. With all my flaws, with all my areas where I need to grow, with all my strengths, with everything, I look at myself in the mirror. I'm right there. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been a heck of a journey for you. You can inspire somebody else with your words and your encouragement. So thank you. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Loved it. This concludes our episode for today. I hope you enjoyed it. For more information on the work that I do around innovation and transformation, please check out my website at www.changinglightbulbs.com. And for more information on our amazing sponsor, Delta Oversee, the software company that's dedicated to enabling positive, sustainable change and transformations for organizations, please check out their website at www.deltaoversee.info or give them a shout at 647-513-3582. Don't forget to mention that you heard about us on this podcast. Thanks again, and never forget to continually adapt and transform for tomorrow's reality.